0: Righty, it's already been a great day. I want to praise God with Vernon and Linda Magnus. They're at a CMA, Christian Motorcycles Association, uh, statewide event yesterday. And 13-plus young people, teenagers, gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Woo-hoo! Isn't that great? I love that. Lord, we want that here, 13-plus. I mean, let's just pour them on. We take that as an encouragement. Next Sunday, uh, Dr. Tom O'Neill will be here with us. He's going to share a few minutes about the Cuba mission trip. He and I are going on with uh, Glenn and uh, Glenn Haynes from Jerusalem. And then uh, we'll have a prayer time after service where you guys can, uh, who haven't prayed for us or you want to pray for us again, it'd be great. I'm filling up my extra suitcase to take uh, to Cuba. Thank you so much for your generosity. That's getting filled up nicely. Really grateful for that. In three weeks from today is October 2nd, if I'm counting right. And uh, Jerry and Karen Ellard will be here uh, leading us in the day to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's an international day. We've been honoring that for a number of years now. And that's going to be tremendous. Then that night, we're having a prayer meeting. Uh, We're calling it a life and prayer rally. Uh, They have been on the pioneering side praying for uh, the, the Supreme Court which they did uh, make the, uh, the switch over from Roe versus Wade. And, uh, but we have a lot of prayer to do in Kentucky uh, because of the, um, uh, the Yes for Life amendment that will be voted on by all of us uh, in early November. So we're going to have a, a prayer about that, have some uh, uh, special people uh, to ministries to pray over that night. Today's message is Leadership with Jesus. And we're in Matthew chapter 20, and when I first was reading over this chapter and looking at the different passages in this chapter, I was like, well, Lord, you know, I'm I'm being drawn to this particular one uh, uh, in in Matthew 20, but you know, it's a leadership passage, so I don't know, is that going to really fit for Sunday morning? And he corrected me, he was like, well, of course. The people at Living Waters, they're called in leadership. And then I just kind of quickly remembered, even in our growth track sessions that we designed, Session 1, 2, and 3, uh, Session 1 is mainly is about the history and kind of uh, vision and processes of the church, so you can kind of get to know the church better, ask, uh, ask any questions. The second one is a survey of gifts uh, to discover your ministry gifts. And the third one is to release in those gifts, not just in serving, but to develop leadership. So we're talking about leadership from, to new people who haven't even joined yet or, but are praying about joining. And so, you know, I got, you know, corrected in a nice way from the Lord and said, yes, this is a very appropriate uh, passage and message for Sunday morning. So what is leadership? John Maxwell has got one of the uh, simplest quotes that's become very popular. Uh, John Maxwell is so well known in leadership. And that quote is, leadership is influence, and that's about as basic as you can get. Uh, and he and he's got got a great point that leadership is not necessarily at all about position, about the role you have, the title you have, because uh, someone can have influence and not have those things, and yet be impacting other people. And we need to realize, in uh, students in schools, God is sending you in schools to be a good leader a positive impact on other people whether you have some you know title or role at school or whatever you are a leader and there are times that the negative peer pressure thing happens at school and that person who's uh, you know really popular and really cool and they're ha- are are giving putting out negative influences that's a bad leader they're putting out negative influence you at living waters young people god is sending you to be good leaders to be a positive impact In your schools. And so I was thinking about, well, you know, where where are we leaders? I mean, where where does that really happen? And I started making a list, and it was a pretty long list. It's not exhaustive, and I just want to go over this to remind us places uh, where you and I, we are leaders. And number one is that you are a leader of your life. You're a leader of your life, and the way you develop Your lifestyle, your schedule, what you do 24 7 for a week. And I use that phrase a lot when I I encourage uh, young people or young adults or just really anybody, even for myself. Stephen, you're the leader of your life. You're making the choices. No one is forcing me to do anything. I'm making my choices. I I like this quote here. It's from A Bug's Life. It says, the first rule of leadership is everything is your fault. Be it the good things, hey, that was your credit, or the bad things, it was your... And I, when I sense that I'm blaming others, other things, other circumstances, oh, because of you know the situation over there, because of that person over there, because of this situation, and, and blaming others, then I've just stepped away from leadership and I'm taking on a victim mentality... And I'm not saying, Lord, hold it. I'm the leader of my life. I make the I made these choices. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame other people. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden when the first sin came. And uh uh, you know, it was the blame game right then in the Garden of Eden, uh where uh the father looked at uh, Eve and she said, Well, uh, you know, it, it was it was the serpent that tempted me and and uh and and then Adam said, It's the woman who tempted me. And they were pointing fingers at just someone else. Having a victim mentality, we are the leaders of our life and our lifestyle. And so take on that responsibility and let's not push it off. Receive it. God will empower you for it. Another one obvious place to place your leader is at work. You and I were divinely placed in that building or in that company in that place of responsibility. This is a divine placement by the Spirit of God. And you have a purpose there. God has a purpose for you there. You, the co-workers that you're meeting, and that you're getting to know, this is for a divine reason. this God has called you there. I like this quote by Brian Tracy it applies so well at work leaders think and talk about solution followers think and talk about the problems and it's just so easy being a part uh, uh you know in the office or in a staff or in a and you just there's challenges around and people just start getting negative and complaining and then they complain some more and it just builds and builds and there's just can be a negative atmosphere around certain people in the workplace and you you're don't fall into that. You're a leader. You're looking for solutions. You're thinking creativ- with creativity. You are looking for solutions instead of just going along with the crowd and griping and complaining. You might not see this, but the next place I've got listed here is you're a leader in your neighborhood. Your neighborhood is its a divine reason why you live in that apartment building and that rental house, in that home, in that neighborhood, those houses around you. This is a divine emplacement. God has purpose for you there. Another one is if you're involved in a sports team, if you're involved in a club or an activity, and and there's, uh, you know, over time comes some kind of leadership opportunities, but you always have influence in these places. And I'm going to use a Tony Bear quote here that says, Uh, The art of leadership is in saying no, not saying yes. It is very easy to say yes. And when a group like a sports team, there's teamwork, when there's a uh, a club and you have to have a vision and a statement and a direction instead of just listening to everybody and taking everybody's vision and going, oh yeah, let's do that, yes, let's do that, let's do that. Yeah. There is no vision. There is just multiple directions going everywhere. Somebody has got to say no to that, no to that. This is the direction the team is going right here. And so it, the, the, the word no is actually harder to say, but it actually helps give the parameters and focus and direction so you can actually go in unity as a team. Here are some more places that you're a leader. You might not think about this. Among your relatives, your cousins, your uncles, your nieces and nephews, you have influence there. This is a divine placement that you're in this family. Uh, Another one, you're among your your immediate family. You have impact, you have influence among your family. You are a leader there. Uh, Even if you're not the head of the household, you still have leadership in your family. You have influence and impact. Let God make it count. Be a positive. How about this? Among church members and church ministries. God has divinely brought us together. You have Uh, a reason to have influence on the rest of us you with me and me to you and your involvement in ministries just increases that leadership impact we welcome you we need you in fact if if you're uh at home today it's good i bless you we want to keep offering online services and there's all kinds of reasons that we need that and and it's the it's the first uh open door to guests is a they go watch a service before they actually go to a building, to a, a church body. And so there's many reasons why we have it. And it's good for our people. At the same time, we miss you if you're not here. And we don't get to receive that influence and impact by your presence and what you bring in worship and prayer and community in the body of Christ. Our church in the Bible is not a just a corporate uh, gathering, a large gathering of people. Jesus did preach corporately, didn't it? He gathered thousands and he preached to thousands. It was great. But that's not his definition and understanding of church. Churches was the 12. It was the three that he went off together with, did discipleship with, relationally. That is Christ's understanding of the church. That's what He has for us. So if you have a mentality, well, I'm just going to come, be a part of the, some good worship, get some of the Word and teach it and go home, that's not be actually entering into biblical definition and understanding of church. You've just scraped the surface. And so it's actually being a part of relational discipleship growth Again, touching people relationally in the community because that is when we're known and they know us. That's what a church family is. That's what a family is. You're known and you, you know others and they know you. So just going to a church building is not the biblical definition of church. Another place you're a leader is among community involvement. God has you volunteering here, helping there, uh, places that you, maybe your business gets involved in. This. this is impact. This is important. Here's another definition. It expands it out a little bit more, one that I like, from Henry and Richard Blackaby. If you're familiar with the Henry Blackaby name, he he and uh, wrote Experiencing God curriculum, which is probably the most uh, impacting curriculum on how to hear the voice of God and, and walk in that in the whole uh, you know, world, just the evangelical world. And his son, Richard, uh, and him wrote this book called Spiritual Leadership. And the way they def- define spiritual leadership is moving people onto God's agenda. So what is God's agenda? Well, God's agenda is God's will, God's path for somebody, God's plan for them. But when I read about this definition that they were explaining, they really have the word movement as the key. That it's moving from one place to the other. It's not staying stationary. It's not staying the same. But there's growth. There's transformation. It's getting out of those seats and off those couches and into obeying God's Word to be and to do God's Word. We're going to get into the Matthew. I haven't just gotten to the Matthew passage yet. I'm going to just say a prayer here as we get into our first scripture of today. Lord Jesus, we receive your word for us. We ask that you open our ears today and that you would move us from where we are now to a place of transformation, of a place of obedience more than ever in our lives. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So there is this tendency that we have in our flesh is just, just listen and hear and hear and end up, oh boy, that was a good message, that was a good this, that was a good that. And we can just kind of go, wow, I'm done. I'm, well, hold it. Have we said, what does this mean? Does this mean I'm, I'm supposed to change something in my life, be transformed in the inside? There's something that I'm... Supposed to be pursuing and following you, Lord. Let's not fall in this trap of being hearers only. I wanted to find a a something, you know, some joke on leadership that I could share a couple of times. And I couldn't find any good ones. But I did find a video. And this video is about uh, encouraging us to travel as a team and you'll see these teams that there is a leader that has that a direction that vision and brings that team together for protection and for uh, for for victory let's watch this video
1: okay come on everybody behind schedule you know what's got to be done move it move it move it hey you there pick up the pace you're falling behind what? yo 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 에, <obrigado>
0: It's just safer to travel as a team, right? Yeah, you can achieve more as a team. And there was a leader that moved everybody into place, right? And so movement, I like that definition from Blackaby, is a key to leadership. I'd like for us to go now to our passage, Matthew chapter 20, and let's look at this carefully. Jesus is is talking here, uh, the master leader. So we want to gain all we can out of this passage. Uh, it's Matthew 20, starting at verse 20 through 28. Uh, let me give you some, some uh, preparation here, some background story. Okay, uh, so there is these two brothers, James and John, called the Sons of Zebedee. And uh, they are nicknamed by the Lord Jesus as the Sons of Thunder. And sure enough, uh, another time in the, in the Gospels, another place, uh, they were in a Samaritan village, and the people didn't respond well. And they said, "Lord, should we call down, uh, you know, a destruction on to this this village?" And he's like, "No, no, no. I, you know, I came not to d- to bring destruction, but to save. Okay, just chill out, John and James. Um, now, so they seem to really have this reputation as sons of thunder." Uh, and then, but look what happens in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. And this is late in the in the ministry of Jesus because he's going to be going to Jerusalem for the last time here soon. Uh, and this is what happens. I'm just going to read the passage straight through. Then we'll look at each verse. Okay. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bound down and making a him, making a request of him. And he said to her, "What do you wish?" She said to him, "Command that in your kingdom." These two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and one on your left. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, my cup you shall drink, but sit on my right hand and on my left. This is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them uh, to himself and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Wow. I would just just love to get Jesus's you know, inside scoop on all that he was thinking when this was coming down, I wonder if they talk about you know do do the do the disciples and Jesus do they get a, you know together in heaven and and start laughing about things that happened when they were together on earth? This would be one of the biggest laughs of their whole three years of, of ministry living together. I mean, just imagine these sons of thunder, these mighty tough fishermen who work with their hands and they know what sweat and tears is all about and they're called the sons of thunder, but it's verse 20, then the mother of the sons of that comes to Jesus with bowing down and making a request. Oh my. The mom is now intervening here. The mom is getting involved. And uh, so Jesus, you know, he, he honors women and, you know, this is... The mother of his closest friends, he's like, oh my, what what is this? What does she need? What does she want? You know, yes. Oh, dear sweet uh um, Mama Mia, you know, let's talk. What, what is it? What do you wish? And 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 said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and one on your left. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now you're really. Uh, you know, going for it now. You got your your mama coming in and talking to Jesus, and they must have this mentality that Jesus, with this power to heal, this this authority over demons, he is going to have a kingdom. He's going to have on earth. He's going to use this power, gather an army, and they're going to overcome this this oppressive a military, uh, a military uh, invasion of, of the Roman soldiers and they're going to have a throne and so she's trying to get in there and, 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 you know, oh, wouldn't this be fun if my son's got to be next year? And all the, the sons are all excited like, yes, this is it. We're going to be at the top of the heat. This is going to be so much fun. We're going to be popular and famous and doing autographs and all the money. has got to be a lot of money in the throne room. This is going to be great. Well, let's see how Jesus replies. Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit at my right hand or my left, that is not mine to give. It is for those for whom it has been prepared for by my father. So he went straight to the cup. Now, what cup is he talking about? He's talking about the cup of suffering. That when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was, uh, was praying alone because his his buddies were over here asleep, the night he was betrayed, and he felt this heaviness come on to him that, oh my goodness, I'm this is really, I'm really am going to die on a cross and go through the worst Roman death suffering that's there. I am really going to go through this. And not only that, there is. The sin of the world's going to come on to me. I'm sinless, but that sin is going to, it's going to, end my, it's going to, it's going to like, it could kill me. But no, I'm going to need to be obedient to, and he is going through this, and he says to his heavenly father, the only time we have a record of this, he says, father, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass, but not my will, but your will. He prays that prayer three times that night. And so, listen folks, Jesus, though he is at the top, he went through the suffering for us to get to the top. No one has suffered like him. No one has taken on other person's sin and been punished for other person's sin. And what's so good about the Gospels was clear that he laid down his life. He gave it. No one took it from him. Even the weight of this sin didn't take it. He said, I, lay my, I willingly laid down my life for the sheep, for you and me. That is the path of salvation. And, and if someone in here or there, if you're thinking, you know, why be saved or why come back to Christ? Let me tell you, because Jesus Christ did this whole path of suffering for you. And so his blood does, is powerful. His blood can actually wash our sins away and make us clean from the deepest parts of us and into our whole life, transforming us as a son and daughter of the King. Now, I thought this was entering a little side note. Here's another little difference between the Heavenly Father and the Son, Jesus. That though they're perfectly one, the Trinity is incredibly one, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, right? There is this unity, but Jesus said, listen, I don't know who's going to sit to my right and left. It is appointed to the Father's going to take care of that. Jesus said something similar, to, similar about when he's going to return. And they were asking, when are you going to return? He said, well, listen, the angels in heaven don't know. Only the Father knows when I'm going to return. So that's an example of these distinctives. There are different roles. And the Father is waiting to the perfect time to tell his son when he's going to return and who is going to be at his right and his left in his kingdom. Oh, I just can't imagine, verse 24, how hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. Those little dirty rascals, they went behind their back, got their mother to go beg for them to be at the top. This is, it, it just, it's, it's, I can't believe, they must have just harassed them. I wonder if there's any teasing going on in heaven These two sons of thunder are still getting teased in heaven about this. Verse 25, and Jesus called them to himself and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercised authority over them. They knew what kingdoms were built like. They were oppressed by the most powerful army and." And kingdom on the earth by the Roman kingdom, they knew how centurions had a, this kind of level authority, and those kind of, and all the political authorities, and that's what they were thinking in their mind, just that, uh, you know, the way the, these worldly kingdoms are set up. But he said in verse twenty six, "It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be the first among you shall be your slave." That'd be hard to hear because they were they were slaves and they didn't like being slaves with the Romans. So you said what to, to be uh you know to be first you got to be like a slave. And Jesus went and said even just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he's saying even myself you call me master you call me Rabbi and yes I'm I'm the Son of God the Son of Man but even I came to serve. So did Jesus uh. Name them Sons of Thunder to kind of help build them up because they were so wimpy they got their mommy to come in and beg for their position, and he was just kind of trying to build them up? Well, I wonder if we get to ask those kind of questions, you know, when we see the Sons of Thunder. Now, a little bit more history that sets this up, looking at verse uh, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 9. That they'd already talked about this. And they didn't get it. It, It's been talked about more than once already in their three years together. About getting it in your mind what leadership with Jesus looks like. And it was earlier in their ministry together, Luke chapter 9, verse 46 and 48 through 48 says An argument started among the 12 as to which of them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood him by his side, and said to them, "Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me uh, receives him who sent me for the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great." So they didn't catch the teaching earlier, and he had to get this cute little child, you know, probably precious little girl with curls, and she was just adorable with the chubby soft cheeks and glistening eyes and he's and he's pointing to this precious little very weak and vulnerable no strength couldn't protect herself to do anything this is how you become great is you become the last you become the 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 one who serves that's it's totally flipping the concept of leadership on its head you think you know, the greater and the higher you are, oh this is this is one this is how you use your strength and power. And he said, "No, the lower you go is the way of leadership in my thinking, in my way of operating." So I want to say to you that the leading with Jesus is requires humility. Let's look at another thing. What else is required in this leadership of Jesus. He talked about drinking from this cup of suffering. There is, the, 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 it is good to have, you know, an excitement about serving God and seeing fruit increase, increase, and seeing uh, growth and expansion. These things are, you know, this, these things, God gives us these dreams. But there can be, like uh, uh, James and John, they're like, oh, oh, and the, and the disciples, they were arguing about who's going to be, oh, it's going to be so much fun, we're going to be at the top, we're going to be, this, No, there is this, uh, you know, this nostalgia and this misunderstanding. Oh listen, the path of leadership is humility. And the path of leadership includes more suffering, and so you're going to have more per- need more perseverance. The more leadership that you have, there is a, a quote by James Gibbons that says, "There are no office hours for leaders because you have the responsibility. You have if you have a, if you're the lead." Uh, on a certain project or a certain team and the deadline is coming up, you've got to work the extra hours if the others are slacking off. You know, there's a couple of dynamics here, and I'll, I'll just say it this way. Joel League, our founding pastor, my father-in-love and my mentor, uh, he would say things, when you're the senior pastor, you have a target on you. One is the target is the enemy. That if they can take the leader out who's at the top of that, whatever that ministry is, whatever that project is, if I can take that out, then I've affected the whole team, the whole uh, result and the fruitfulness of it. And uh, and I do. I feel the difference from being a youth pastor, a social pastor, and being a lead pastor. I tell it's that there's a difference. The other thing is, is that many people just have issues with authority from their past. It's part of their... There's sanctifications, God working out, and so you might be some super nice God pastor and all this, but you're the authority, so they, and I've, I've had people tell me this, you know, I've just, God has convicted me because I have suspicion about you, and, and you're, you're doing fine. It's something I'm dealing with in me. And so whoever that authority is, people have often, from their past, from abuse of, of authority, and uh, you know things that are growing up whatever and they haven't worked that out by the holy spirit of, of the healing and the and so they just whoever at work it might be at work whoever that their authority is and then at church on this they just have this uh you know i just don't they're probably this suspicion no they they're just being doing the best they can they're not perfect so there's a target on them i looked at quotes uh this this week from Queen Elizabeth II, because, wow, what a life lived, huh? Lived through thirteen U.S. presidents. Just think about the the level of leadership that she hung out with over seven decades as a queen. The power, the influence that would that she would go visit, or they would come. Uh, to Buckingham Palace, and they would sit, you know, what, just the influence that was around her and the influence that she had. That was 15 prime ministers that she lived through and all the different styles of leadership and the ups and downs. And talk about living through hardship, knowing what perseverance takes as a leader. She has seen it, uh, you know, longer than most anybody in that, that kind of level of leadership. And she said this, uh, it, she had these, it's, it seems, these Christmas broadcasts, and, and I found some quotes from there in 2008. She said, When life seems hard, the courageous do not lie down and accept defeat. Instead, they are all the more determined to struggle for a better future. So I say to you, leading with Jesus requires Perseverance. Do whatever it is, if it's just persevering through extra hard work to get it done, persevering through having that target on you and having resistance, perseverance through suffering. And Jesus just told him straight up listen, don't get all excited about being at my right or left hand. The journey it includes suffering. Of course, there's a closeness with Jesus, a type of intimacy that we experience during suffering that we don't experience when everything's going smooth. There's a cleansing that comes from suffering when we can't deliver it out in the name of Jesus and get away from it, and God is going with us through it. There's a cleansing and a strengthening in us that we can't get from some other way. God has purpose for it, and we look back and we see how we've been transformed and we grow, and we, and we look back and we say, God's grace was working through that, uh, you know, that was amazing because I didn't want it. I didn't want to go through it. So I want to hit uh, another area and then close soon. Another story of Jesus, John chapter 13. This is where Jesus, again, just flips everything over. This is this last time that he is going to have communion with his disciples And he, and they reacted so strongly, must have been the only time he did this, the first time and the only time, where he took off his robe, he got the wash basin, which was set for some, you know, little kid or some, some servant or slave, something they could grab somewhere to wash their feet, and he didn't bother doing that, and he started washing their feet. And it was so awkward for him, it's so unusual that no, you're our leader, you're you're our, our, the one who's got power, the Son of Man. What are you doing? And and Peter resisted. Do not do not uh, wash my feet, Lord. And he said, Well, if you don't, Peter, you cannot be a part of my kingdom. And Peter said, well, Wash my feet, wash my head, my hands, He just wash me all over. And this is how Jesus describes this in chapter thirteen, verses John chapter thirteen, verses twelve through fourteen. So when he had washed their feet and taken, uh, and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So he gives them a definition of what serving really looks like. So serving sometimes comes with suffering. It comes with hardship. It's not necessarily easy. But it's the way Jesus did it. He wants us to do it. And then He has rewards and blessings because of following Him. There was, uh, I tried to kind of wrap up a quick story here in Philadelphia when we were uh, planning ministry there in a house church in inner city of Philadelphia in a uh, Puerto Rican neighborhood. And after a couple of years there, I, I I had to work the first year or two three jobs, two part-time jobs until my sales job in reverse mortgages commissioned. So I had to build it up. So I was working three jobs, persevering through that. And there is a, a a black Christian man that helped me in that sales business. His name's Don, and we became close friends. And just from my neighbor, our neighborhood, we lived outside. Uh, in Montgomery County, out of the side of the city limits, but metro area of Philadelphia. Uh, our neighborhood, we had a lot of Roman Catholics in it, had quite a few Jewish people, and literally just like one block over, there was a fence, and there was another neighborhood called North Hills. And it was a black neighborhood, and it had a a, a apartment housing, a project uh, government housing in there. And when I was living there for a couple of years. Nobody ever walked over to that neighborhood just a block down. It was like there was a big wall there, a big barrier there. Don, my friend, knew about this and kind of gave me a little bit more history. And we said, let's go prayer walk and see what God wants to do. We started praying, but just walking down the street, went a couple blocks, went to an old school that had a daycare in it, went up to the lady at the front desk. Sherry was there. Ended up, she was a believer and the matriarch for the neighborhood, knew everybody. Her sister, Victoria, was the intercessor for the neighborhood. Boom. It wasn't even, it was less, it was like 30 minutes maybe we were walking. It wasn't even very long we were walking. We ended up having in Sherry's uh, apartment, we had her living one full, multi-generational people doing a discovery Bible study, people reading God's Word for the first time, you know, particularly younger ones, the first time in their lives, asking questions about these passages The next year, we did a men's group in one of the men's uh, houses a couple blocks down and did skeet shooting together, did cookouts together, and did a men's uh, material uh, work through with these. And I was the the white guy. I mean, you could see me from a, a thousand miles, the only white guy in there. But we broke through with the gospel and with racial unity. And we had to Persevere. Because it's 9-11, I just had to do it. Sometime in serving, Jesus knows this path. I hope none of us know this path. I hope all of us have the courage, if we ever run into a Todd Beamer situation on 9-11, on Flight 93, where the people in the back of the plane realize, okay, they're next to be crashed somewhere in DC. There were terrorists that had blocked the whole uh, first class area to protect the cockpit from what they can gather. And the number of people were on the phone, and and what was heard from Todd Beamer, his last words on that phone call, he put the phone down and they could hear him talking. He said, Are you guys ready? Let's roll. And that group of men and women, those heroes that said, I'm willing to serve even to the point of possible death, got through to the cockpit and was able to get that plane to come down. And crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. So I hope none of us are faced with anything like that. I hope that none of us are martyred on the mission field somewhere. But I hope that all of us would have the courage to say yes Lord, if that comes in front of us, that we would say, by your grace Lord, I'm going to keep following you in leadership. I'm going to ask as uh, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of ask the, the uh, the altar ministry teams to come up, be available right now. And as this Uh, last song goes, I'm going to just ask you to be open to the Holy Spirit right now. Is one of these areas an area that God wants to work deeper in you? His leadership qualities. Because leading with Jesus requires, and there's more than this, but I hit on three things. Number one, humility. Number two, perseverance. Number three, serving others. the Lord. Have your way. Speak to our hearts. We want to be more like you. A leader like you.
1: Love came down
0: About Jesus and today, talking about His leadership, Jesus, you are an amazing leader, the perfect leader. You inspire us with your humility, your perseverance and obedience. You're serving others, Lord God. You're, it's just, it's just so good. Your thank you, Jesus, for making it so clear. So we can grab hold on to things and follow you, be more like you, Lord. Help us with that. We honor you, Jesus, as the greatest leader and the most humble servant. Jesus, we, we honor you for your obedience through that cup of suffering. Oh, thank you, Jesus that you went to the cross to just pour out this salvation for, for me, for my friends and family, for you and me. Anyone listening today if or later on, this would be a great time to say yes to Jesus Christ for a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, let's just say a, a prayer together out loud, if you would, a prayer of salvation. and to help others join in but also to make it fresh and anew with us. dear Jesus you are the greatest leader and the greatest servant you did it to purchase our salvation I come to you now in my heart I turn away from my sin and turn towards you come into my heart live there forever and ever I believe that you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me life I receive your life today I'm your son or I'm your daughter today Thank you, Jesus, so much. We're so grateful, Jesus, the perfect leader. So, Jesus, bless us in our leadership roles everywhere we go. We do have influence everywhere we go, and we go with you. So, Lord, use us this week. All for your glory. Jesus name. Amen. We have people here to pray for you about anything going on in your life or health issues uh, or family. Otherwise, uh, feel free to go to the, uh, gathering place. There's some, uh, cold, tasty refreshments, drinks there to hang out for a while. And, and, uh, we'll let, I, I'm just going to kind of encourage y'all to kind of walk fast and not get trapped in here uh, in the sanctuaries and just kind of get over there. And, uh, worship team will keep doing this song for a little bit longer for those who just want to keep listening and waiting on the Lord and uh, have a great day have a great week